Cultivate Simple, episode 65, the 5 by 5 challenge. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountain sides I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend Welcome to Cultivate Simple, an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. This is episode 65, and today we are going to be discussing the 5x5 challenge. But before we get into that, I just wanted to uh, mention ways that you can support the podcast and the blog right off the top here. Um... I know that we've said it before, but I don't know if everybody has heard, so just to let you know, we have fixed the uh, problem that we were having with the Amazon affiliate link by changing the affiliate link. So <laughs> if uh, if you have bookmarked that, that in the past, and I know that some of you are still using the old one, which is why I'm mentioning this um, again, if you're using the old Amazon affiliate link, uh, which would be older than, say, a month, then you need to bookmark the new Amazon affiliate link. Um, and you can do that by going to cultivatesimple.com slash support. And uh, if you just right-click on the uh, Amazon logo there and then save that link, uh, or you can just drag, if you click and drag that um, onto your bookmark bar, most browsers will allow you to set up a bookmark for that. And then whenever you're going to be shopping at Amazon, you just click on that link, and uh, there's a little code there at the end that uh, tells Amazon that you came from our website, mm -hmm. and then uh, we get a small percentage of your purchase, and it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, it doesn't increase the price of the products on Amazon or anything like that. Um, it just, uh, it's advertising dollars basically for us. It's an affiliate link, um, and since we sent you there, then they give us a little percentage, mm -hmm. um, and that helps to pay the bandwidth bills and to uh, uh, pay for the the hosting of the audio files for the podcast um, and for the the hosting of the blog. So uh, if you want to help out, that's a way to do it very passively. Uh, if you know if you if you shop at Amazon, then um, you might as well be giving that money to someone. Mm -hmm. So why not to us? Uh, you can also, obviously, as we always say, you know, you can also sign up for a monthly subscription. Um, obviously, we give away everything for free. Uh, the podcast is free. We have a, a seed starting booklet uh, that's in the linked up in the sidebar of the website that we're giving away for free. Um, the blog is free. We have no <laughs> premium content. We don't hide anything behind a paywall. It's all and out there. We don't collect your email addresses for newsletters and sell them to other people yeah. like a lot of blogs do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which really drives me crazy. Yeah. And we don't have, I don't have ads on there either because that also drives me crazy. There's nothing more annoying to me than if I go to a blog or a website and they, you know, a lot of times nowadays the thing seems to be that the page loads and then all of a sudden it grays out and then a thing pops up and they yeah. want you to sign up for their newsletter or follow them on Facebook or, you know, do all this other stuff, which I usually leave the blog at that point because mm -hmm. that drives me crazy. Yeah, those basically happen because the pop-up windows that used to be big, you mm -hmm. know, people three, four years those, ago, you know? people blocked those. Well, now the way that that's set up, you really can't block it because it just runs as JavaScript code from within the website. So, yeah, that's the new way of doing that. There's one, too. Um, there's one page that that I actually do like the content that they put on Facebook. But every time you click on one of the links in Facebook and go to their site, a one of those popovers, as they're called, mm -hmm. um, a popover comes on there and says, like us on Facebook. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I have liked you on Facebook. Yeah, so, crazy. you know, if you can't, yeah, if, as, a, as a website owner, if you can't build in logic that sees that the link is coming from Facebook and then, you know, turn that off so you don't annoy the snot out yeah. of your Which your, is kind of funny because, I mean, I don't really try to actively seek Facebook likes. It's not like, I don't know, it's, 
I don't know. It's weird how people think that somehow makes them more awesome if they have more yeah. likes. Because in reality, as particularly nowadays with the sponsored um, ads and with the way Facebook does things, not a lot of people see what you do unless they interact with your page anyway. So mm-hmm. it's not really, uh, unless you're willing to pay or have a really involved community, it's not particularly all that um, beneficial anymore, I don't mm-hmm. think. So, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, it is. I was, I forget, where was I? I was doing something where someone contacted, I think someone contacted me about using one of my photos. And they were trying, I mean, I think they wanted to use it for free, of course. And their logic was that I would, you know, get so much awesome free publicity from their website and they made sure to mention how many Facebook likes they had and how many people they had on my, their email newsletter and that kind of thing, which kind of made me laugh. Yeah. Especially since I have more people coming to read my blog every month than they have on their <laughs> newsletter, <laughs> email <laughs> newsletter. So whatever. <laughs> Some uh, magazine. That's funny. Yeah. I said, technically. <laughs> no, thanks. But you can pay me to use my photo. Exactly. Like everybody else does. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, we we want to keep away the advertising uh, and everything else, and really just the Amazon affiliate links and the monthly donations um, just really help to uh, to pay the bills uh, to to make it you know worthwhile in some way for us to do this. Um, uh, besides just getting the information out there, which is obviously you know another goal that Susie has had all along with the blog, and that uh, one of the reasons that we've uh, done the podcast now, uh, this being our 65th episode. Which is crazy. Um, I don't know how we've had that much stuff to talk about. We don't have that much stuff to talk about. No. We're running very thin on things to talk about because we've basically shared our whole lives. Um, well, it's like that we, we've kept a few things back. but You're running out of gas. <laughs> 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 When your car starts to stall. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're getting there. <laughs> like in the cartoons. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yeah. Support support the, the blog and the podcast. That'd be great. Um, especially when you get tips like Brian's Geeky Corner tonight. Oh, yeah. What is your Geeky Corner tonight? Well, the Geeky Corner tonight is one that I... This is again one of those things that um when after a while I start to assume that everybody by now knows certain things mm-hmm. about computers or uh different things um but obviously not because then I get questions from people who I assume know things who don't know them and then I say it and they're like oh yeah that's a good idea um <laughs> so I thought I'd share this one tonight um the rule is reboot first. Reboot first. Uh, this isn't so much a rule on... Uh, well, this is just a good general rule. Mm-hmm. If you ever have a problem with anything, uh, the first thing that you should do is, is try to reboot it um, or restart it, depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to mix, mix terms because uh, those two terms do mean two different things or can mean two different things in situations. So let me give you a few examples to explain this. If you're having a problem with, say, your website browser uh, or your web browser, um, restart it. Yeah. Quit it and restart it um, a lot of times, or even just restart the, the site, uh, you know, close the window and reload the site. Um, a lot of times that will fix mm-hmm. 95% of problems, unless of course, you know, the website's having a problem or your internet connection's having a problem. But that brings us to the next example. If you're having a problem with your internet connection, the best thing to do is to reboot your router. Um, and what that is, or, or the, the modem, um, and those two things may be one and the same, but basically, um, if you go to the box that the cable company or the uh, phone company came and installed in your house, um, reach around to the back, pull the power plug, and 
count to 30, and then plug it back in. Um, and if you have multiple devices, so say you have a cable modem and a router, um, and you don't really have to know what these things are in order to do this. You just <laughs> go to whatever line comes into your house. If it's if you have DSL internet, then it's going to be a phone line. If you have cable internet, it'll be uh, like a cable line that hooks into the back of your TV. Um, follow that in. And there will be a box at some point that has flashing lights on it. Um, and the best way to do this, if you do have multiple devices, if your your modem and your router aren't all one, um, then the best way to do it is in order. So that cable coming out of the wall will eventually go into the modem first, if they're two separate pieces. Cycle the power on your modem. Um, Unplug it, count to 30, plug it back in, and then cycle the power on your router, which should be next in line if they are two separate pieces. Unplug that, count to 30, plug it back in. And even then, to your computer, if you're still having problems after that, once everything reconnects, and it, it'll take a few minutes for it to reacquire its signal from the cable company or from the, the phone company. Um, but once everything connects, once all the lights start flashing again, then check your computer. If it's not working, then reboot your computer. Mm-hmm. And, and this sometimes, um, you know, I would used to say that this... You didn't have to use to do this on a Mac, but um, with Mavericks, as we've talked about in the past, we're having problems with. Um, now I find that it actually does help sometimes to reboot your computer as well. On a Windows machine, I don't know how true it is anymore, but that used to be the first thing you do whenever you have a problem with your Windows <laughs> machine is you reboot it, um, and that, that'll fix a lot of problems. Um, same thing with, with devices. If you have, uh, like, smartphones, if you have an iPad, you know, tablets, those types of things. Um, just Google how to restart them or to reboot them um, because that fixes a lot of problems. The other day, I have an iPod that's, oh, I don't know, 10 years old probably. It's one of the old uh, clunky, you know, hard drive-based ones, um, the iPod Classic. But I bought it before it was the iPod Classic. You bought it when it was the iPod. <laughs> when it was the iPod, the <laughs> iPod. Um, but uh, the other day, um, I've been listening to James Bond audiobooks, as I've mentioned in episodes past, and something was wrong. I, I fired it up, the screen came on, It said the little play icon was there, but it wasn't playing and there was no audio coming out. Um, But I know, you know, holding down on that one, the menu button and the the center button, the select button uh, for five seconds reboots it. It started back up and it was good to go. So uh, this will save you a lot of time too, especially the the tip about the cable modem. Um, Because if you call in to whichever company you're with, you're going to be on the phone for at least 10 minutes. I mean, Mm -hmm. without a doubt. Before you probably talk to someone, and then when you talk to someone, the first thing they're going to tell you is to reboot your modem and your router. So just go ahead and do that first, and that'll save you a lot of time and a lot of hassle. Um, Reboot first. Works like a charm usually. Yeah, I was just talking to my mom. And she said last week she was having some sort of... Oh, she was having trouble with... um, Dropbox, because we use Dropbox to pass files back and forth, and she was just saying she was having terrible trouble and couldn't get it to show up on her computer, you know, and she was trying to upload files to send to me. Um, So she finally just restarted everything, and uh, she said that seemed to fix it all, and her computer wasn't talking to her scanner or something like that, so Mm -hmm. she just turned everything off and turned it back on, and it linked back up again, so. Yep. Works like a charm, usually. Usually. Um, and if it doesn't work, then, you know, call support. Proceed from there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, your technical friend to come over and fix it. <laughs> That's um, right. If you have built-in IT support. Um, so, around the run, we had our big Olympics party. Oh, yeah. In fact, we're still surrounded by Olympics, Olympic streamers. Decor, and, flags. Yes. Lights. Yeah, BJ... Uh, and her kids made and her, and her kids paper made, chains. Yeah, paper chains with the Olympic ring colors. Uh, Susie found some Christmas lights that we had. Um, some and, of the big C9 lights. Yeah, and took all of the green and uh, orange bulbs out. So it's all red, white, and blue bulbs. Mm-hmm. 
um, and we hung those up. And then she also found a, a printable flags, uh, little flags, and hung them on string. And so in our living room, we've got it looks like uh, like the Himalayas in there. You know, it whenever does you with see the like, flags. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, but we've got uh, all the flags of all the different countries hanging in the the living room. They're just small. I mean, they're not huge. Yeah. Uh, but they're like two by three or something like that. Yep. Good decor. So we've been mm-hmm. enjoying watching the Olympics. That's like our one thing to to do. It's kind of a vacation for us almost. Yeah. We just kind of sit and watch and enjoy. So they're they're still getting started out, but we had a fun party for the opening ceremonies, oh. which we talked about last week. Ideas for different parties. Um, had our friends over and just had a good time. Mm-hmm. Even though the makes it more fun because the ceremonies were slightly boring. I yeah, say. yeah, they were. So it's a little more fun when you have a bunch of people and you can all kind of sit around and joke, poke fun at it, and yeah, make jokes and talk about this and that and. Memories of past Olympic opening ceremonies and that kind of thing. BJ made us a uh, opening ceremonies bingo. Yes. So we had different things that we checked off. and What we were looking uh, for. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Um, and we're excited that the Olympics are here. But uh, it's kind yes. of funny. It's, a, it's funny because it's actually hard to sit around. And it is. I've been... Going upstairs during some of the events that I don't necessarily want to watch quite as much and sewing or working on the room that we're painting and redoing, that kind of thing. And then I come downstairs for the events that I really like, like the biathlon and the skiathlon and those kinds of things. I like the Nordic events, the cross-country skiing. Most people hate those, I think, but I think they're really fun. And tomorrow curling starts. Mm, yes. I was featured I'm on the... I'm not quite as into the curling as you uh, are, but I prefer the... I love The cross-country skiing are really probably my favorite events. Yeah. Out of all of them. I really like those. Um, It's kind of funny, too, that you like those because they're... I mean, the most exciting part is the end, yeah. really. But... I you like know. them flailing around the corners. I just think <laughs> it's funny. It's It's not a pretty or graceful sport. No. <laughs> no, just, especially at the end when all their... They're drooling and they're yeah, the snot's hanging out of yeah. their nose and they just look terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it's hard. I think the I think with the Olympics, the announcers make a lot mm-hmm. of the they make the sport not necessarily more interesting, but they just make it they more, bring a more whole fun level to watch. Yeah. And the guys that do the cross country skiing on NBC, they're, they're awesome. They're hilarious. Um, the one guy is just great. Yeah. I mean, just great. He really makes the events. <laughs> I was watching uh, earlier, I guess it was in the fall even, I was watching some curling online and um, there was this Canadian that was doing the commentating and he was just hilarious. I mean, mm-hmm. he was funny. Um, of course, he could get away with a lot more because it was on the internet and not on TV. So yeah. he could say, you know, make It'll comments. Be interesting that... <laughs> to see the, who the commentators are for curling. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, the same people that did it last Olympics, but we'll see. Um, but curling starts tomorrow, so I'm kind of excited. Kind of excited to watch that. The The problem with these Olympics is that since it's in Russia and they're a uh, eight-hour time difference or uh, something like that that. i have it on my computer i can scan over here it's uh let's see one two three four five six seven eight yeah nine nine yeah um nine hours ahead uh yeah is that ahead or behind it's ahead because people on the west coast are behind us Okay. Yeah. So nine hours ahead of us. Yeah. 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 So a lot of the events that NBC is showing on their channels and online live um, are happening at like one in the morning, three in the morning, five in the morning. So yeah, that I don't like that. But what are you going (laughs) to do? Um, They didn't ask me what city they should hold the Olympics in. (laughs) I think they should have them in Lake Placid again. Yeah. I wonder if they'll, if they have in the United States again, which city, I know Chicago was trying to get the summer games for next time, I think. Yeah. They didn't, but 
I don't know. Chicago doesn't seem like a good Olympic city to me. Summer Olympics. Yeah. I think they were. I don't know. I think they should do Winter Olympics in Fargo. <laughs> Just in the middle. <laughs> and... <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Somewhere in like Montana. <laughs> How about Bemidji? Yeah. Well, it'd be the curling events would be well well attended. So so that's uh, a large portion of what we'll be doing this week is watching the Olympics because we're on Olympic Next vacation. Next Winter Olympics are in Korea. Korea, yeah. yeah, which is even farther. Yeah, I think that's worse. I think it's probably going to be like a twelve-hour di- difference. Which they'll be the exact opposite. Yeah, then. which would be terrible because we won't. We'll be able to. At least when they're in Brazil, they're pretty much on the same time. Yeah. Not that we really like the Summer Olympics no, quite as much. The winter, the winters, ours, our, our time, our time to shine. We're winter people. <laughs> the Olympians may be good at the sports, but we're good at watching the sports. <laughs> we're Olympic watchers. Um, we consider ourselves Olympian level watchers. <laughs> Uh, yeah i posted a picture on my facebook today because we had speed skating on the tv another event on your laptop and the stream of one of the nordic cross-country ski events on the ipad sitting there when we were muting certain ones when commercials came on and turning up the audio on other ones when (laughs) there were commercials on the other so it was kind of funny kind of junkies um but that's we talked about that in our uh our what was that called our uh i want to say vices our guilty, uh, pleasures. guilty pleasures um yeah the olympics are are one of ours so we're kind of we're considering it our our vacation we didn't take a real vacation last year so um but as we start to think about the summer coming up and you you've been getting seed catalogs and oh yeah uh, looking through those and We're ordering much seeds all here and... by now and almost all my seeds are here i still have um some from Renee's garden that are due to arrive in a week or two i think yeah we went up and picked up some uh some packages our mailbox got taken out during uh, the big ice storm during right? the big ice storm yeah by a plow truck we think but so we are mailbox less, which yeah. means we have to go up to the post office and pick them up, which it's going to be a huge pain when we put up a new mailbox to get our lady to start delivering mail again, because yeah. I think she hates us. She <laughs> hates putting mail in our box, and she's particularly annoyed when we get a package. Um, and it, when we first moved here, she just refused to deliver packages to us. And we have a little box across the across the road and we just have like the ups guy and stuff leave the boxes in there and we left instructions at the post office to leave them there but she refused to deliver them there but then she wouldn't leave notes in our box saying we got a package so it all came to a head when i went up to the post office and we got a box of olives that i had ordered that were completely rotten because they'd been sitting at the post office for three weeks and it was after the date of being able to order more so i have no black olives this year because she didn't want to get out of her car and deliver a package so it's been kind of a big issue with trying to get our mail delivered here um so i know it's going to be a huge pain when we get one i know she loves it that we don't have one because then she doesn't have to deliver but it's just going to be a huge pain i know it when we get a new one so we went up this week and picked up our mail and you had several yeah we pick them up about once a week and i think i had seeds from two different companies Mm -hmm. i got some um seeds i'm going to try grafting some tomatoes this year Mm. i've read about i did some reading on grafting and you graft on i mean the reason you graft is like fruit a lot of times fruit is grafted for size so you graft onto dwarf rootstock apples so that they don't grow as big you can graft for disease resistance that kind of thing um, tomatoes are often grafted for disease resistance um and I was reading about it for late blight, which late blight is pretty prevalent here in Maine because of, I mean, one of the reasons is the climate. It's cooler. I think another one of the big reasons is they grow tons of potatoes here. And I think it just spreads 
a lot and it's more prevalent here because of that. It was pretty rare in Ohio. I never have experienced it in Ohio. Um, I knew some local gardeners that had seen it once or twice, but um, it seems to be pretty much par for the course here in Maine from what I've heard from other gardeners. I didn't really have too much trouble with it this year, but uh, so I thought I would try grafting some tomatoes. It's fairly easy. I bought some rootstock seeds, which I'll start. And what I think I'm going to do is uh, grow a few different kinds of heirlooms and then I'll plant a grafted one and then one on its own roots next to it and kind of, so I can kind of watch. The only downside to grafted tomatoes is that they're less productive mm -hmm. than, say, one on its own root systems. So Is that just because of the shock of grafting no, and it takes because, time? Or? I think it's just the root system. Uh, mm. So the root system is more disease resistant, but the roots that you're grafting onto is essentially an inedible tomato. Mm. So they probably just don't produce as much. They probably produce small fruit and not very much of it. And so those tendencies also then are transferred to what you graft onto it. Mm. So, hmm. um, yeah. I mean, but the, I mean, it's kind of the balance you get with the disease resistance then. Yeah. So it's, you know, a give and take. So it should be interesting to try. I think I bought a pack of, I don't know, 20 or 50 seeds you can get. Um, so we'll see. I'm not going to do that many plants. I'll probably do, I might graft 10 plants or something like that. Um, I don't know. Should be interesting to try anyway. So does that mean if it works, then basically you just need to graft more so that you can... Yes, Produce so you more. grow more because they're less productive, yeah. yes. Huh. So, but considering you you shouldn't have as much trouble, and now you're not going to get, you know, 100% right. blight res resistance, um, you'll probably have losses, but not as high of a percentage. Right. So it technically it should equal itself out because you have a lower percentage of loss. So... I don't know. There and there's also I was reading about late blight resistance about the um effects of people trying different herbal sprays and stuff and one of the documents that I read they show really great success with using compost teas and like manure teas. And then I talked to Annie from um oh, her place is blanking on me right now. Annie's annuals? No. <laughs> no she That's makes um mupu tea but it's got a different name authentic haven brand i think um is it and she makes like a she raises cattle mm. and then it's grass fed you know grass raised on grass um if you follow her on facebook she posts pictures of her cows which are beautiful like big horned cows out in california um and she makes compost tea, like manure tea. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, so I asked her and she said that some of her clients have used it very successfully as a treatment to reduce the risk of late blight. So that's kind of interesting. Her website is ahavenbrand.com. Mm -hmm. Authentic Haven brand. Natural brew soil conditioner tea. And she's so, got some yeah. cute pictures of cows on she her She does, website. and she posts them on her Facebook page every now and then. So that's kind of neat. Um, I thought that was an interesting um, read. So I might try that. I was just reading about, because, you know, it's a fungus, technically. So I was wondering if you could use some sort of an herbal spray that treats fungus. You know, like a um, golden seal or garlic, something like that. Now, the paper I read, they used a bunch of herbs that I ne wouldn't necessarily use for, like, a fungal infection kind of a thing. I was surprised that they didn't go to herbal medicine Fungicides. books mm. and then read up on the ones that treat fungus and use those. But they just used, like, I don't know, kind of the classic herbs that you would use for stuff. So I thought that was really kind of interesting. Clearly not necessarily herbal people. Um, cause I wouldn't, I think they used one that I might have tried. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting thing to maybe try too as well, alongside some of these other things, which if I have time, I'll try it this summer. If not, maybe next summer. The Authentic Haven brand, uh, her logo for her cow manure, it obviously has a picture of a cow on it and above the cow, it says pure bull. <laughs> kind of like that. It's funny. Yeah. She's funny. She calls it Moo Poo Tea. Nice. <laughs> um, 
So from that topic of no, that was kind of advanced uh, geek gardening. These are the things that I read late at night. These are the <laughs> things that keep me from doing other things I should be doing. Is reading about <laughs> fertilizing tomatoes with compost tea in order to mitigate late blight risk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why people listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to the other side of gardening, I know that which is like the peanut, <laughs> peanut teacher talk to some people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure BJ's one of those people. <laughs> to, to the other side of gardening, which is uh, the five by five challenge, um, which we have talked about. We've we mentioned it last year. So yeah. if, if you've been listening for um, for more for all the episodes for more than a year, then you should remember uh, us mentioning the five by five challenge. But we we're going to review it because we uh, you're going to be doing it again this year. Mm-hmm. It was pretty successful last year, um, and uh, really hoping it will sort of gain more speed and take off. Um, and I was uh, just looking. Let me pull it up again here kind of ruins the joke now but uh <laughs> the uh the five by five challenge page on facebook has 164 likes so um yay <laughs> maybe we should put a thing on the blog that grays out the page and tells people yeah, to go like it that's right um like i said the joke's probably not funny now but um so the first thing that i want to talk about before we even get into the five by five challenge because the five by five challenge is about uh sort of getting started and growing your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but why do you think it's so important or how did you get started on growing your own food? Why do you think that's something that everyone should uh, at least have an appreciation for? Um, I think for a wide variety of reasons. I started growing my own food because I had trouble finding good quality ingredients um, at the local grocery store. Nowadays, farmer's markets are a lot more prevalent than they used to be. We lived in rural Ohio at that point, and our farmer's market consisted of some potatoes and sweet corn, essentially, and that was about it. Um, sometimes some people would have tomatoes, but, it, you know, and mostly tons, baked goods and, and tons of people selling pies and then lots of, like, crafty <laughs> crap that I didn't want. And so... I thought, well, if I really really good heirloom tomatoes, I'm going to have to start growing them myself the same as, you know, some other things. So I started, I started by planting, I'm trying to think the first year I planted, I had a five by 10, four by 10 raised bed in the back that we put in and I grew some broccoli and some tomatoes and some lettuce and beets. It was kind of in a shady area, so the tomatoes didn't do super well. Um, but it was one of the few areas that I had where the raised bed would fit. And then um, I think that same year we put in two more raised beds and planted them with strawberries because we really liked strawberries and wanted to grow our own. And I grew up in a family where we always had a big garden when we were here in the States. and always had strawberries growing in the backyard and you know, my mom canned and that kind of stuff. So I grew up in a gardening family and I knew that the food was always way better than what you would buy at the grocery store. So I kind of came from that history, which is why I just did it, you know, and I also just, I enjoy trying new things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important for people to grow at least a little bit, just because it makes you truly appreciate what it takes and what goes into your food. Mm-hmm. I think that even if you just have one tomato pot on your front porch, you're going to be a lot less likely to um, waste food when you realize the length of time that it takes for things to go from seedling to harvest, um, the amount that is produced. So, you know, every time you open a can of tomatoes, um, you'll realize how much really goes into that Mm -hmm. because you see how much a tomato plant produces um, and how long it takes to produce that amount. So I think that's, I think that's the biggest benefit um, is just an appreciation for where food comes from and for what it takes. Because I think a lot of people are, have been alienated from that. They have no idea. A lot of people didn't grow up with gardens and didn't grow up with the, 
seeing that process and therefore they kind of have no connection they have no idea and I read in this one book I can't remember which book it was um but they were it was this lady who had a garden and the neighborhood kids would always come help her garden Mm -hmm. and one day her carrots had reached harvest time and she was really excited to show the kids the tomato the the carrots did I say tomatoes the carrots so she pulled them out of the ground and showed them the carrots and then, you know, went to the spigot to rinse them off to give the kids the carrots. And all the kids were just flabbergasted that the carrots came from the dirt. And some mm-hmm. of the kids said, ooh, I'm not going to eat carrots if they come out of the dirt. That's gross, <laughs> you know. And she was just kind of appalled that these kids had no idea that that's where carrots came from or that food in general is grown from the soil. And mm-hmm. it all comes from that. Um, so I think it's really important, particularly if you have kids to kind of help them understand the process. Um, it just, it adds a whole different layer of another different layer to your food. I mean, we all eat, we all eat every every day. We all eat multiple times a day and it's just another way to connect and add something else to that. So that even if you just grow a little pot of this or a little pot of that or some herbs to finish off your meal. Um, it just brings that connection to the ground, brings a connection to history. It's amazing how such a simple process of sowing a few seeds can really make you think about how, I mean, we live in a time where we don't have to worry about growing our own food, but up until a hundred years ago, everybody had to worry about and have the skills to do this. Um, so it really does connect you with all of the people in the past and the things that they struggled in had to do in order to survive and how really how easy our lives are nowadays because we don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. But we've also lost a lot because we've lost that part of our lives. I think that connection to the soil is important. And there are tons of studies that say, uh, gardening and coming in contact with soil and plants reduces your risk of depression and all different kinds of diseases you know it's not only good exercise but it's really good for people mentally and emotionally um as well so you came up with the idea of the five by five challenge to get people uh started in gardening yeah i get tons of emails almost on a daily basis i get at least one maybe a couple questions on facebook um messages in my inbox about people saying I read your blog and I love it. However, I've never grown anything for myself. I'm a new gardener, you know, and I just am kind of paralyzed at, I have no idea how to get started or what to do. It's just kind of overwhelming to me to think about, I never have had anyone teach me, so I have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. So I started this as kind of a way to do it all at once for everybody because I was sending out, I had kind of an email that I would respond to people, but I thought this would be a great way to set up some parameters and, you know, just kind of give people a a quick, easy way to get started mm-hmm. in gardening. Something, you know, kind of formalize by, the process. Exactly. A five by five space isn't that big. Um, even people who live in an apartment can probably fit five pots on their balconies if they have it or in a sunny windowsill you can fit at least two or three Mm -hmm. and uh most people could have enough space to grow something in a five by five space and you can really it's amazing how much you can grow in that limited amount of space you can you can produce a lot of food from just such a tiny area and it's very manageable i mean it takes only probably five minutes a week to attend a garden of this size really it takes hardly any time at all Mm -hmm. So I thought that was extremely doable for people who had never had zero gardening experience and wanted to start doing it. So that's kind of why I started the thing. That's why how I settled on the five by five. I thought it just was a good, it's big enough, but it's small enough, you mm-hmm. know? So I mean, that's kind of how I came upon it and how I, and then every Wednesday on the blog, I, I started last year. It was our first year. So every Wednesday I would do instructions, you're like teachings. So, you know, you this is how you choose the best space for your garden if you're doing a garden outside. This is how, you know, if you can't have the 
if you don't have a really sunny spot, that doesn't mean you can't grow things. You just have to grow different things. So we talked about full sun, semi-shade, that kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, all of those things that a lot of gardeners just kind of know. Um, but you don't think about a new gardener not understanding mm-hmm. that a tomato is not going to grow in a shady space. You know, and there's no point in trying to grow one. But you can grow really great lettuces and other things. So, you know, that's that's... Those are the kinds of things that we did on mm-hmm. the Wednesdays, as well as this day, you know, this is how you're going to plant your seeds. You know, this week you're kind of looking at this. Um, you're going to want to fertilize this week because it's been a month since you planted your seeds, that kind of thing. So kind of the step-by-step processes through the entire season and knowledge sprinkled in here and there, you know, a few things that are good to know when it comes to gardening. And this, you set this up for beginners, but I think you also had a lot of uh, long-time gardeners that participated as well. I um, did. And I encourage the long-term gardeners to find a new gardener to kind of mentor in this process. And also I encourage the, the veteran gardeners to maybe do a five-by-five five garden and grow some things that they've always been kind of afraid to grow you know so if you've always wanted to grow fennel but it's always just seemed too difficult you know Mm -hmm. this is a good time to do that or maybe endive or you know something different maybe a winter garden instead um if you've always thought about doing that it's a good time to expand your knowledge and try something different so so if somebody wants to be if somebody wants to do a five by five or if they want to get somebody else involved, what does the person who's going to participate, what would they need uh, besides obviously a space that's five by five or, or five big pots, you know, if you mm-hmm. have it. Um, Cause the point really is to, to start. Right. Just to, to do to something, try. to give it a try. Sometimes things fail. Sometimes things do well. I mean, you never know. And, the the difference of um, where you live in the country, your climate, how dry it is, how wet it is, all of those things come into play. And those are things that you, as a gardener, you kind of have to learn through trial and error. I think a lot of times people have this idea, and we had neighbors across the street that were like this. They would plant things and then never water them, and they would die. And then the lady would say, oh, I guess I just don't have a green thumb. Well, she just didn't understand the process of make, giving plants what they need to get them to survive. But, but that's because she never asked those questions. Why did these plants die? Mm-hmm. And do any kind of research. I mean, that's how you learn the nuances of where you live. You know, my, my mom lived in Ohio and we lived in northeastern Ohio. We lived about an hour away from each other driving. Um, And yet our gardens were completely different climates. Things thrived in mine that she couldn't grow and she could grow things that I couldn't grow because we had different soil, you know, and our frosts were always um, late. I want to say later. They were later in the fall and earlier in the spring. The last frost was, you know, she would get frost sometimes in towards the end of May or early June. We never had a frost after um, really the first of May, but that was because we had lots of big trees surrounding us. We were on top of a hill. We were south facing all of those little things that you really learn the nuances of your climate after watching and gardening and trying to grow things and having things that failed. I could just couldn't grow lettuce. Something about the soil in our garden in Ohio, you know, it was really kind of, um, it was a silty soil, really dry, really powdery, not a lot of humus. And lettuce just didn't survive. The spinach would grow fine, but lettuces, like leaf lettuces, romaine, any of that, nothing. I could not grow those things in my garden unless I grew them in a container that had some really rich soil. Just because our soil wasn't rich enough and it was way too dry and we got a lot less rain. You know, we got a lot less rain at our place than my mom did at hers too. So those are just the things that you learn. And I think a lot of times people think that gardening is this knowledge base. And there is knowledge that you need to learn. But a lot of it is really trying trial and error and being willing to plant stuff and have things die, you know. Mm-hmm. 
In observation. There are things that I tried to grow. I tried to grow Coreopsis. I would plant Coreopsis every year. It just failed to thrive in my garden. And it's not that I have a black thumb. It's just that it did not like something about the soil. And my soil should have been fine for Coreopsis as far as all of the reading or material or read says about it. But there was some sort of, probably some sort of micronutrient or something that was missing in the soil. My mom can grow beautiful Coreopsis. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that, um, that's what, gar- that's the beauty of gardening. And I think a lot of times people are afraid when things die or they feel bad, but it's par for the course. I mean, successful gardeners have killed probably more things than they've been able to grow. They've just planted a lot more. So they look like successful gardeners, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's the difference really. So, so what, what do, does someone need? I mean, do you need certain tools? Do you need... You need a trowel, probably. And you don't even need that. You could use a big kitchen spoon if you wanted to. Um, I would suggest buying a trowel. And I think I talk about this in the, um, if you go to the blog and click on the 5x5 challenge, you'll mm-hmm. see all of the previous blog posts. And it goes through, if you read, I had someone that she's joining this year. And so she clicked through and read all of the posts from last year and said that that gave her a really good kind of base knowledge of what she, and she felt comfortable getting started i talk about that a trowel really is all you need um particularly in a small five by five space and especially if you're doing a raised bed and adding kind of some soil because then you have really easy to work soil you know and building a small five by five bed and filling it with some topsoil is really going to give you a good gardening experience for the most part because you won't have to deal with a lot of the frustrating things that you might have to in other starting in other ways mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah i mean a little spot of a little spot of earth a trowel i would recommend some sort of compost or well rotted manure see if you can get it from a local farm or um find a place where you can buy some or make some leaf mold or if you have compost talk to a local gardener um See if you know someone that makes their own compost that would be in there. If they do, they'd be a great resource in helping you garden, most likely. Um, And a trowel and some seeds. (laughs) I mean, it's really that simple. Um, And you just brought up something, too, that's interesting. You said, you know, earlier we said that uh, for experienced gardeners, you encourage them to find somebody to get involved and to sort of mentor them when... mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in growing their own five by five, but it, it's good too. If you're, if you are just starting, if you are the, yeah. the newbie to, you know, find someone to mentor you, uh, exactly. kind of go and the other way. If you can find someone, a neighbor, because they're going to, if they have garden for garden for any length of time, they're going to have a really good handle on the nuances of your particular area. Now your garden is still probably going to be slightly different. That's the beauty. And probably one of the really interesting things about gardening is that you know, even my upper garden at Ohio, in Ohio, was completely different from my lower garden, which was just across the driveway. Soil yeah. was completely different. Um, things would things would grow in one place and not in the other. Um, so they should have a pretty good handle on some of those things that will grow well in your area, some that won't. Um, they'll, they'll have a really good handle on frost times rainfall those kinds of things so i would recommend finding someone if i mean if you see someone who has a little garden garden gardeners are always more than happy to talk to other people about gardening Mm -hmm. (laughs) i had people that would stop all the time in ohio um we had our sunniest spot was our front yard so one year i was like screw it i got tired of trying to grow tomatoes in the back where they where it was just part sun um so i just planted them in the front yard and i planted them in the front yard and then all of a sudden neighbors started coming and asking me gardening questions and how to grow vegetables and then our neighbors kind of diagonally across they started with a little tiny vegetable garden and by the time we left half of their lot was planted in vegetables and fruit trees and and she was canning up a storm and giving it to everybody. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, she was giving beans to all the neighbors and that kind of thing. Um, so it's kind of neat when you connect with people. And yeah, gardening's great. Gardening gives you some great 
another great way to open the doors of communication with people in your community as well. And we'll put a link to that, um, to all the five by five garden posts uh, in the show notes. But if you go to the categories uh, section in the sidebar on the right hand side of the blog, um, and the the first listing under categories is the five by five challenge. And if you if you click on that, it actually shows them in reverse chronological order from mm-hmm. the newest to the oldest. So if you scroll the way down to the bottom and click previous and go back, you know, do that three or four or five, six times. I don't know how um, many times it would if you be. want to read through them in chronological yeah. order, because then you can see, because last year you posted pictures of the garden starting. Mm-hmm. Um, I built a, a box for you and we did a raised bed um, and then planting the seeds, everything growing, the different steps that you take, you know, weeding, watering, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, um, you had a reader that did that and went through and, and really felt like she had a better understanding of what to expect. Um, and then you're you're also going to be doing more blog posts this year. In fact, you've already started doing Wednesdays as the 5 by 5 days. So uh, you're going to be posting about it this year then too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also have the website, um, 5by5challenge.com. Uh, and if you go over there, uh, there is actually, um, there's a link to the Facebook page there. Um, there's a forum over there, which was used uh, some last year. And then there's also uh, links to... Um, badges that you can put if you have a blog or something mm-hmm. you can put those on on your sidebar and just link directly to them from uh, the 5 by 5 challenge website so we'll put a link to the 5 by 5 challenge website in the show notes as well um, and and hope you participate we should really come up with a way um, we need to come up with a way for people to like sign up um, and put people on a list yeah I'll have to figure that out um, cause it'd be great. Cause we don't really have an idea. It was interesting cause throughout the year you would just get random people that would contact you and mm-hmm. say, Hey, I'm doing the five by five challenge. And yeah. well, how'd you hear about it? Oh, well, my neighbor told me about yeah. it or, or, you know, uh, people would loop back in and they had never heard of the blog, but their neighbor told them about the five by five challenge right. and now they're reading your blog. Um, but it would be great to know you know, where people are from and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do have some message boards that we set up. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple people that are moderators on there. Um, I set up some people in different areas of the country to be mentors to people in those areas because clearly, I mean, I, I have a good handle on gardening in kind of the Midwest and in New England, but I have no idea when things need planted in Florida, and I just cannot give good advice on that. But I have, we have blog readers um, who have lived in all of the different places who a lot of them are willing to step in and answer questions for newer gardeners uh, in those areas about when they should plant things and those kinds of things. So um, I think we have a lady in Australia that helps the Australian mm, people nice. and some European people and I think a couple in England and that kind of thing. So that's kind of nice. I mean, I didn't spend a ton of time on there. I kind of started that and let other people um, do that because Mm -hmm. I didn't have a ton of time to get in there every week. So I'm not, you know, and I have some people who have told me that they have made some really great kind of online friends in the, in the, the group. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of neat too. Um, and I'm assuming that'll continue this year. I haven't, if our moderators, and I think a bunch of our moderators are interested in doing that again. Good. I have no idea how active it still is, but um, that'll probably continue. Yep. But I think a list would be good to kind of figure out who people are and where they're Yeah, and even put a link to their blog if they have one. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, we'll see if maybe I can... Maybe if there was a web developer somewhere that we knew. He was just sitting around all week watching the Olympics and needed yeah. some couch needed, work. To needed do. Some, couch, some couch work. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so we'll let you know about that. Um, so that brings us on then to the books of the week. Unless you have anything else to share about the 5x5 five five challenge. Anything so. else you wanted to, any other knowledge you wanted to drop? All right. Well, then what do you have for the, the books of the week? I have two kind of... Two books that I would recommend for newbie gardeners. And one is Charles Dowding's Vegetable Course. And this is a really good book. And I think particularly it's a great book if you've never gardened before and don't have preconceived ideas about what gardening is. 
because he uses kind of a different method than is taught and a lot of people have had history with. So it's a really fantastic book. He is a um, he is a proponent of the no dig gardening method, which is really really um, beneficial, especially in a small garden space and you know in something like a five by five garden. It's fantastic and it's great as far as uh, lowering the amount of work necessary for a garden. So I you know I've I used this method before I read his book and I bought this book and read it cuz I thought it might be fantastic and it really is. I like it a lot. And he has a lot of really great information in here. So I would highly recommend it. I also recommend um Fork to Fork by Monty and Sarah Don, which is really good. It's about growing edible food. And now He's a completely different kind of gardener. So in his book, he even um, complains against people who do the no-dig method because he <laughs> believes your hands should be in the soil and there's nothing better than turning over the soil in the spring, which, you know, is a nice thing, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just different, it's just different. different ideas. Uh, yeah. But he has a lot of really great information here about edible gardening in particular and growing. You know, and the other book is like that too. They're both focused on vegetable gardening. Uh, they're both English gardeners. So sometimes the planting dates and stuff are a little different, but those are going to be different anywhere pretty mm-hmm. much you live. So, you know, that's one of the things to be aware of. And then for the not newbie gardener or for the veteran gardener i wanted to recommend a book called the winter garden and it's clearly winter in maine right now and this time of the year i'm always looking at my garden and thinking about all of the things that i need to add in order to have structure in the garden um and we're at i mean i'm at that point because this is a completely new space and it really is essentially a blank slate because the previous owners didn't really They had some edible garden space, but they really didn't have any kind of ornamental garden or they weren't really gardeners. They Mm -hmm. grew some food, but gardeners in the way of cultivating. Like a gardening discipline. Exactly. You know, they weren't, I'm, I love gardening. I love edible gardening, but I also love other gardening as a way to beautify your surroundings, particularly the outside of your house. You know, and I, I, I like a mix of, I love hedgerows, you know, a beautiful boxwood hedge and those kinds of things. Um, so this book is phenomenal if you have a garden, if you like gardening as kind of a hobby and aren't just, and this is even beneficial in the vegetable garden because vegetable gardeners can, gardens can be pretty in the winter too, and they can benefit from a little bit of structure, um, and a few backbones, um, in the garden, the book I recommended last week, The Art of French Vegetable Gardening, the the photos in there, a lot of those gardens, um, one of the things that makes them pretty is that they are, um, they have the, the French and a lot of the European gardens are different than American vegetable gardens in that they really do incorporate a lot of bones and structure and things that look good in the winter. They have a lot of, you know, hardscaping in pathways and plants that are ornamental and yet provide structure in the winter and so this book is really good too because it this book as far as winter gardening plants that are beautiful in the winter like red twig dogwood um things that are that have beautiful interesting bark um and i love that about winter is that in winter in your garden you notice things that you don't notice in the summer so when you walk through the woods, the birch trees are always a lot more noticeable because their bark just stands out in the winter and you mm-hmm. see the texture of it a lot more than you notice in the summer when you've got all the green um, and so much more going on. So this book is fantastic. If you if you look around your garden and feel like you need a little something as far as the winter is concerned, this is a great resource um, to have on your bookshelf. And you can get it used for a great price. I mean, I think I spent a dollar or two on it. And it's really a good resource. 
Good. Well, we'll put links to all of those in the show notes. And that is yet another way that you can help us out with the Amazon affiliate links. If you click through uh, any of those books, even if you don't buy the book, even if you uh, just click through, look at the reviews or whatever, and then move on to something else, uh, we still get that percentage from Amazon uh, for for your click through. So we appreciate that. Um, and like I said, we'll also have a link to uh, all of the 5 by 5 challenge posts uh, in reverse order so you can take a look at those and and get excited about that this year yes so that before we go the spam comment of the week do you have a good one for us have you picked one out this one's kind of funny alternatively you'll pass away with little while in a little while without oxygen perfectly hang in there the first amount requires he she called physiologic basic requires requires for system purpose requires Silver and gold shareholders need to obtain and sell scarce metals, yet by the end of the day, you'll find choices which often has to be produced. They may be judgments which often give full attention to precisely how magic investments ought to be produced. In the end, the principal purpose of such offers is to make earnings. There you go. Wise words. Wise words from this spam. Something gold dot. Spammer. Are you? Um, but that's it for this week and we'll be back next week with another show. Uh, And until then, it's time to get back to my training as a gold medalist of Olympic watching. I'd rather be a farmer. I'd rather work the land. I'd rather see the mountainsides. I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now Somehow it all depends If I could fly See my hometown. I'd rather hold my wife. I'd rather never question things. That's the story of my life. I'd rather not be crying. I'd rather just be whole. I'd rather brave the cleansing fire I'd rather feed my soul If I could I'm crying out to you I'm ready to be finished here I'm ready for this season
Face the longing. Whoa. 